Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I had a birthday this week. I want to start by reading you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, that wasn't really the point, but um, I, want to, I, want to read, I wanted to read you the, the note that uh, my three-year-old daughter dictated to me for my birthday for the card. Dad, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Have fun with your breakfast. Do you want to open your presents in your bed? Bye. <laughs> and that's just for free. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about this morning. So we're in this series called Selfish Faith. And the, the point of the series is that selfishness, which is uh, thought of as like the chief evil in the Christian life, maybe isn't as bad as we've been led to believe that actually it can be this powerful motivator because what is selfishness it's it's motivation self-interest doing things for your own good is the most powerful motivation that we know of and the idea of this series is to say what if instead of making this illegal what if we we just allowed ourselves to tap into it you know, because what's everybody's problem? What's everybody's problem in the spiritual life? It's a lack of motivation. It's a lack of energy. It's not that you don't know the things you're supposed to do or the things you want to do. It's that you don't have enough motivation and energy to do them. And what the church has always said to people is, you know, so there's these good motivations, these holy motivations, like loving God or loving other people. And the church has always said, well, your problem is you just need to love God more. Just love other people more, and then you'll have all the motivation you need. That's kind of a, a harsh answer. And what if that's not working for you? The idea of this series is to say there's this nuclear power plant of motivation called selfishness, and it's just sitting there, and it's completely safe if you take the proper precautions, and it will more than meet your motivational needs to get these hard things done that you need to get done in the life of faith. 
That's the idea. I know some of you aren't buying it. You know, some of you have told me you're not buying it. That's fine. We're going to return to kind of more traditional stuff after this series is over. So you don't have to leave the church or anything. Just just ride it out for a couple more weeks. But others of you, others of you have said, you know what? This is helping me to think about things in a new way. And so for that reason, we're gonna we're gonna do at least a couple more weeks of this. So one of the ways I've been trying to convince you of this is by taking these passages in Scripture that have been traditionally thought of as these selflessness passages. These passages that say you have to be selfless. You can't think about yourself. We've been looking at those passages and and trying to say, maybe they don't mean what we've always thought that they meant. And that's what we're doing this morning. The the passage you just heard read from the Sermon on the Mount is this passage where where Jesus is saying, look, there's a a right way to do these, these good deeds, these spiritual disciplines, and there's a wrong way to do them. And what he says, he's talking about uh, prayer, fasting, giving. And what he says is don't do these things to be seen by other people. Now, the way that's always been interpreted is, in other words, don't do these things selfishly. Don't do these things to get a reward. Don't do these things thinking about what's in it for you. Instead, do it out of pure motives, not thinking about yourself or any reward for yourself at all. So there's that line where he says, uh, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing or vice versa. I can't remember which. Uh, and, and there's a proverb that's arisen from that, which goes, uh, receive without forgetting, but give without remembering. Give without remembering is the ideal that's been held up. Give so spontaneously, so freely, just out of pure love that you don't even remember that you gave. You're certainly not giving because you're looking for some reward, some bonus, some benefit to yourself. That's the traditional interpretation. And what I want to argue this morning is that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's not saying don't think about yourself when you do these things. Rather, the passage, if you read it literally, says that doing something to be rewarded, doing a good thing, whatever that good thing is, whether it's praying or giving money away or going to serve at the homeless shelter, when you do that good thing just because you're looking for out for yourself and what do I get out of it and what's the blessing for me, I want God to bless me for this, Jesus says that's a perfectly good motivation. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So that's where we're going. Sorry for the lengthy introduction, but I kind of want to set it up. That's where we're going. There are going to be three sections to this morning's sermon. First, scoring points with others. Second, scoring points with God. And third, playing for keeps. title of the sermon is scoring points in three sections. Scoring points with others, scoring points with God, and then lastly, playing for keeps. So first, scoring points with others. And the first thing that all of us can agree on, whether you're pro-selfishness or anti-selfishness, is that there is a type of motivation in this passage that Jesus is condemning. And he's condemning this motivation of doing good things only to be seen by others and to score points with other people. Because these things that he's talking about, uh, prayer or giving, fasting, uh, they're, they're hard. They're hard to do. You know, we don't, we, we, two of these things we still do today a lot, prayer and giving are kind of two of the big three spiritual practices that Christians are supposed to do today. The third one, fasting, isn't as emphasized anymore, but what you could swap out for that, uh, they didn't obviously, no printing press back then, but today it's Bible reading. Bible reading is like the third one. So if you take those three, those are kind of the big three things that all Christians, all believers are supposed to do. You're supposed to pray, you're supposed to give your money away, and you're supposed to read the Bible. 
but they're hard. They're hard to do. Praying is a lot harder than watching TV. Reading the Bible is a lot harder than reading the newspaper. Tithing is a lot harder than online shopping. And, and so the question is, where do you find the motivation to do these hard things? Well, there's a trick. There is a hack that uh, religious insiders, that pros, myself included, anybody that's been around religion for any amount of time has figured out this trick, uh, and Jesus condemns it. And the trick is you, you let other people know about what you're doing. And when you let other people know, what that does is it gives you a status bump in the community. Because if you're part of a community that says praying is good, giving is good, fasting is good, whatever those things are, then when you kind of, whoops, slip, let it slip that I just did that, then everybody knows that and and your reputation, your status within the community goes up. And if you know in advance, if you know in advance that you're going to have the opportunity to do that, to let somebody know, then that makes it easier while you're doing it. You know, so you're praying, let's say you're half an hour into a time of prayer, look at your watch, and subconsciously you think, you know, if I go another half hour, I can tell so-and-so that, oh yeah, I prayed for an hour the other morning, and then that, that helps you to keep going. Now, uh, we should say that it works like this in any community. It's not just religious communities. So if you're part of a group of people that uh, like is really into fitness, well, if you, if you do a really hard workout, one of the rewards, one of the bonuses of that is you get to tell other people in your community about it and you get a little bump. Or if you're part of a group that's really into music, really into food, part of the value and reward of going to a great restaurant and spending all that money or going to a great concert and spending all that money is you get to tell your friends about it and then that's a status bump for you. And this is the entire point of sharing things on social media. The, the whole point is you're part of this tribe and there are certain actions that the tribe approves of. And if you perform the actions that the tribe approves of, what is that? That's community approval. And that's a reward. And what's the, one of the most remarkable technological advances that's ever happened in the history of mankind has happened within the last 10 years, which is now that that reward, that approval has been quantified and mechanized. You actually get a like. They press like. We like you. You did something we like. And you can see that number. It's a number. It's an actual number. You can see it go up when you do the stuff that everybody thinks is cool. And that helps you do those things. It helps you to do these things that you wouldn't otherwise do. So otherwise, you know, you're not going to go on this long hike all day. You'd rather just sit home and watch TV. But if you know you can post a picture of the hike, and everybody's going to be like, wow, they're so cool, they're so active, look at that beautiful picture, I wish I was doing that. Well, the whole hike is worth it just for that one picture and all the likes you get when you get home. It helps you to stay motivated to do hard things. And it does work. It absolutely works. Motivational experts even recommend this. You know, they say, if you want to lose weight, you join a group of people, tell everybody you want to lose weight, then, you know, your status goes up if you do or down if you don't. It works. So this is what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. Now, this is pre-social media. So they have to find some other way of letting people know about this, you know? They, so for them, when they pray, they, uh, they can't post about it. Because you do that. We all do that, even within religious groups. You know, you use social media in the same way. If, you, if you, you read something in the Bible, you post the verse online. Well, you know, the Lord just showed me this verse this morning. What is that 
ka-ching, that's, that's a point. That's, everybody knows you are reading the verse now. But the, the uh, Pharisees didn't have the opportunity to do that. So they had to use more creative ways. They, they had gotten it down to a science. They would pray on the street corners so that everyone would see them praying. They would, uh, when they would give, they would drop the money in the plate really loud, clank, clank. When they would fast, they wouldn't shower. So there was kind of like this telltale sign that everybody would know. They were fasting. And because of that, they received all this community approval. They scored points with other people. And like I said, I, I am guilty of this myself. I do this all the time. Anybody that's been around religion does it because you have to find some way to do these hard things. You have to find some motivation. And this is one of the easiest ones to tap into. That's the first section of the sermon, scoring points with other people. So now let's move on to to section number two, which is scoring points with God. Secondly, this morning, scoring points with God. So as I said, and and the thing that everybody can agree upon about this passage is that Jesus condemns this approach. He says, don't do this. Don't do this thing where you advertise your good deeds to other people and get all these points from other people for it. But the question that I want us to ask is, why? Why does Jesus condemn this approach? Why does he say it's bad? Now, what we assume, the reason we assume it's bad to, to share this stuff with other people is we assume that it's, it's uh, impure, that it makes it about us instead of the activity itself. And we assume that, that these things, prayer and giving and whatever it is, should be done without any thought of ourselves at all and should be done just for the sake of the thing itself. We think that's what Jesus is going to say. We think Jesus is going to say, don't do these things to be seen by other people and get rewarded. It's not about a reward. Rewards don't matter. It's not about you. Instead, just pray for the sake of prayer. Just give for the sake of giving. Do these things for the sake of God or for the sake of other people and stop thinking about yourself altogether. And we're so sure that that's what he's going to say. We're so sure that's what he's going to say that we don't even have ears to hear what he actually says. So now let me read it to you. Let me read you again what Jesus actually says. You can follow along on your program. If you like, we're up on the screen. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And if you give like that, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray... Go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it's a little awkward because if the passage is about not being rewarded, if the passage is about not thinking about yourself and what do I get out of this? Then why does Jesus use the word reward four times? Literally, he doesn't say stop thinking about a reward. All he says is stop seeking a reward from this group of people and seek a reward from a different source. Seek a reward from your father instead. But it's still a reward. It's still this very self-conscious behavior where you're doing a thing in order to score points. You're just trying to score it with somebody else. Instead of scoring with other people, you're trying to score points with God. And you say, well, I think I see a way around this. I think I see a way to to keep this as a a passage about selflessness and purity. What if the reward he's talking about there, you know, pray and your father will reward you. 
What if what he's talking about there is the inherent reward of the activity itself? You know, so when you pray and you stop doing it to impress other people, and then all of a sudden prayer becomes its own reward. Prayer is inherently satisfying. You're close to God, and so that feels good. It, and it's, he's talking about intrinsic rewards. Not that God, like, you know, sees you and, and ka-ching gives you a point. Not that you rack up points with God for doing these things, but just the inherent intrinsic rewards of the activity itself. And that's a common interpretation. In fact, that's the, the interpretation that uh, Eugene Peterson takes in the message paraphrase. So I want to show you this, this verse um, from the message, and I want to disagree with it. But before I do that, I want to say uh, I love the message paraphrase. I use it all the time. It's wonderful. I love Eugene Peterson, so I'm not attacking him. He just happens to be a great representative in this case of, of this position that's almost universal. And here's the way he translates Jesus' words. Actually, before that, let me show you again what Jesus says. So let's talk about prayer first. We'll put this up on the screen. Jesus literally says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's what he literally says. Now let me show you the paraphrase. Peterson says, it, it, uh, paraphrases it like this. Find a quiet, secluded place. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So, according to Peterson, what's the reward that Jesus is talking about? The focus shifting from you to God, and you begin to sense God's grace. In other words, for him, the reward is baked into the thing itself. Prayer is its own reward. The reward is God, not something extra to God, not some point that you score. The reward is just getting to be close to God. Notice how deaf this, this move is here, too, because the, the word reward is the most selfish word in the passage. What does he say the reward is? He says the reward is forgetting about yourself. Self-forgetfulness is the reward. And that's the way he saves it to say, no, 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 we're still talking about pure motives here. But the problem is, if that's what Jesus had wanted to say, he could have said that. Like, he has those words, and he doesn't. He says this thing about reward four times. And every time, Peterson has to try to find some way to maneuver it, you know, because he doesn't like it. Because why? Because it makes him feel icky. It makes us all feel icky. We think we're bigger than this. We think we're better than rewards. So when he translates the one about uh, giving, for instance, he just drops the word reward out of the verse altogether. It's just not there. And that's exactly what we've all done with scripture, is we've erased these rewards because they make us feel icky. They make us feel childish. But what Jesus is talking about is not the inherent reward of the activity itself. He's talking about something extra some bonus point. He is very literally talking about scoring points with God the same way that we were talking about just a minute ago, scoring points with other people. He says, don't get your reward from other people, get your reward from God instead. So instead of getting a like pressed by other people when you post that verse, instead God presses like. You get a point in your account with God. You score points with God. And you say, that's, that sounds terrible. Like, I can't believe that's really what it's saying here, but it is. And to prove to you that it's what it's saying, I want to show you something else. I, the first time I, I saw this, I was absolutely blown away. I'd, I'd never noticed it before. And the reason I had never noticed it before is uh, for the same reason you've probably never noticed it before, which is because of the headings 
in our Bible. So the headings, you know, separating, delineating sections normally are extremely useful, but occasionally they're, they're very misleading because they break up two thoughts that actually should, show to, should go together. So what I want to do is, we'll put this on the screen, show you Matthew 6, a section of Matthew 6 without the headings, and, and show you this connection. He says, uh, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, look up there. There, there are no ellipses between will reward you and then do not store up for yourselves. The very next thought is don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth. In other words, with other people, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. In other words, with God. He's talking about racking up points with God. That's section number two. So third and finally this morning, playing for keeps. And the very important question I need to answer in this last uh, section is, why, why do you care about this? You know, why are you making this obscure point about how it's important to score points with God? Why are you making this, this point about how it's not the inherent value of the activity, but it's bonus points, it's stuff God gives you, it's ways that God rewards you. You can rack up points. Why, why, why is this something important for us to know? And the answer is uh, because scoring points and keeping score is a really big deal. We, we try to act like it's not, but it is. Reese, our second grader um, in her class, you know, they sit at tables, so they got four to a table, and there's this system where in the class, if, if they do good stuff, if the whole table is doing good stuff that the teacher wants them to do, the teacher will notice, let's say, you know, let's say they're all reading together and they're not talking and they're not messing around, but they're all doing something the teacher wants them to do. The teacher notices and what the teacher does is she gives them a point. They have an account. They have an account up on the board. There's a scorecard and they get a point. And if they get, whoever gets to 10 points first, whichever table gets to 10 points first, gets to go to the treasure box at the end of the week and you get to pick out some little toy. And Reese loves this game. She's hugely motivated by this game. She's trying to get all the other kids at her table, come on, we've got to do the right thing. We've got to get the points so we can go to the treasure box. And the point of this series is we are all just big second graders. You know, we, we think that we've outgrown this, and we haven't. This is just the way, this isn't the way kids work. This is the way human beings work. This is the way everybody works. Because what is your, what is your job? Why do you work so hard at your job? To make money. What is money? Points. It's just points. It's a point scale. And you just like Reese sees those numbers go up on the board, you see the number go up or down on the screen in your account. And when it goes up, you can get more cool stuff from the treasure box. And when it goes down, you can't. We do stuff to score points. That's why we do what we do in life. And same thing with relationships, same thing in any area. And you say, well, but that's what I love about faith. That's what I love about church. That's what I love about religion. Is that yes, in the rest of my life, sure, maybe I'll grant the point. Maybe I am just a big second grader in the rest of my life. And I do all the stuff I do at work to score points, whether that be financially or reputation or status or whatever else. Sure, fine. I will admit it. You got me. I'm self-interested. 
in these other areas of my life, and I do keep track of points in these other areas of my life. But that's what I love about church and faith in God, is I can come in here and it can just be pure for once. You know, it can just be not about points, no point scale at all, just doing things for their own sake, for pure reasons. So in other words, what you're saying is, there's one area of your life where you're going to try, and there's another area of your life where you're not. Because what do points do? They make you try. You're saying, well, there's one area of my life where I'm going to be serious, and there's another area of my life where it's just for fun. It's just a hobby. That's what people say. That's what people say when they play a game and they're not keeping score. They say, it's just for fun. And the irony of playing a game just for fun is that it's not fun. (laughs) When there's no points... When there are no points, there is no point. The game is literally pointless. There is no point to playing. You know, I'll say this to my daughters. Like, I'll, I've been influenced by this whole selflessness thing, too. And I'll be like, well, let's just play this game this time, you know, with no winner, no loser. We won't keep score. And they'll look at me like, are you an idiot? Like, why would I waste my time? Like, clearly this activity would have no purpose. I'll just go do something else. It's like playing poker and you say, well, let's not put any money on it. You know, or, or even better than that, you say, let's play poker with no chips, no points. So what we'll do is we'll just deal everybody a hand and then we'll just all flip our cards over and see who has the best hand. And whoever gets the best hand, we'll all give them a high five and then we'll do it again and we'll play until everybody gets the best hand and gets a high five and then we can be done. There's no point. There's no point. And the reason it's not fun if you play poker like that is because if you play poker like that, or let's say you play with chips but no money, if you've ever played a game just for fun, a poker game just with, for fun with no money riding on it, what you figure out really quickly is that nobody's trying. Nobody's trying if nobody is keeping score. And when you figure out that somebody's keeping score, that's what makes you try and it makes you push yourself and do things that you never thought you could do. So the question that I have to ask myself as a pastor is, why do people try so much harder at work than they do when it comes to their faith? Why do they put so much more energy in at work when it comes to their faith? And the answer is because at work, people are keeping score. And you know people are keeping score, and it makes you emotionally invested. And the way Jesus put that is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my point is, Your heart will never be fully invested in your faith. Your heart will never be fully invested in your relationship with God. Your heart will never fully be invested in giving or in prayer or in Bible reading or in any of these other activities until you realize that somebody is keeping score. And as you rack up points, that makes your life better. Just in the same way as you rack up points in your bank account makes your life better, Just as the same way you rack up points socially and get social capital that makes your life better, you can rack up spiritual capital and it makes your life better. God blesses you in response. Then all of a sudden, what happens? You're playing for keeps. Then you're you're praying not just for fun, you're praying like it's your job. Because it is. It is your job. And if you do it as an amateur, you know, if you approach this whole thing just for fun, And you just pray when you feel like it. 
You just pray when it just spontaneously rises up and you just feel this overwhelming love and you just can't help but pray. Well, you'll pray some. You'll pray every once in a while. But you won't pray a lot because the people that pray a lot, the people that pray day in and day out, no matter what, are the people that see what's in it for them. They're the people that want God to reward them. And God doesn't have a problem with that. So that's the idea. Scoring points is not bad. Scoring points is actually good. And when you realize that God is keeping track and that you can score points with God, it gives you this whole new motivation and this whole new reason to push yourself a lot harder than you ever have before. Let's pray. God, you know how we are with this stuff. We're just on again, off again. Pray when we feel like it. Don't pray when we don't. And we've tried to change before. We've tried to be more consistent. We've tried to to be this person that, that we want to be and we know you want us to be, but we just have a hard time sticking with it and finding the motivation to do it. So I asked this morning that you would help us to give, uh, to, to catch, to catch a glimpse of, of what's in it for us, that you would help us to see that there's something riding on this, that you do reward those who seek you, that you do bless us when we do the things that you ask us to do. I pray that you'd, you'd help us to get excited about it. I pray that you'd give us a sense of anticipation about these rewards. And I pray that by the power of your spirit, kind of lighting these things up in our minds and hearts, we would find ourselves becoming these people that we've always wanted to be, but never thought we could. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an important uh, tag for this sermon that's appropriate to talk about while we go into communion, which is, well, how does all this relate to grace? You know, this idea that God loves you no matter what, that God forgives all the stuff that you've ever done wrong. And the answer is, it, it relates really easily. Nothing we've said this morning changes any of that. So the idea of scoring points with God, the idea that God blesses you in response to the things you do, none of that changes the fact that he doesn't judge you for all the sins you've committed because of Christ, that all that is still forgiven. So basically what it is, is you can rack up points on the positive side of the ledger. The negative side of the ledger is wiped out by Christ's blood, which is the only reason we can play the game at all. Otherwise, your sins would so far outweigh your good deeds that there's just no, that you wouldn't even have a chance of, of getting ahead. So that's what we celebrate in communion. We celebrate that part that we talk about many other weeks but didn't have time to explore this morning, which is that your sins are forgiven because of Christ. And that's grace. That's not merit. That's not anything you did. That's just free grace. So we celebrate that with communion, taking the body, which is represented by the bread, and the blood, which is represented by the wine.